Welcome to the Beyond Success Podcast, a collection of conversations with the best business minds, captains of industry, and entrepreneurs in the world. Learn what their journey has taught them, how they applied the lessons they learned, and ultimately created six, seven, and even eight-figure businesses. We can't create successful businesses by ourselves, so sit back and let the Beyond Success Podcast be your mentor. Now, here's your host, author, entrepreneur, public speaker, and master money manifester, Daniel Mangana. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of... <laughs> oh my gosh, that was really, that was probably one of the most funky um, flops. <laughs> I have nothing to compare it to. Nothing to compare it to. Well, welcome to another episode of Doing Dad. I mean, <laughs> I'm going to stop talking. Why don't you introduce yourself? Because obviously, I can't talk this morning. And let the audience know who you are, where you're from, and what you do. Hello, I'm Lisa Peterson. I'm a money and business coach and I hail from Flagstaff, Sedona, Arizona. I kind of live in both places and yeah, I've been working in the money field for almost 30 years and been on a self-realization journey for the past 21 years. And so I think that's part of the reason that we have a lot of fun when we chat, Dan, is <laughs> we're both totally interested in what's the deeper <laughs> meanings underneath uh what's going on in our relationship with money and yeah i'm so happy to be here mm, brilliant brilliant because of course uh last week around this time last week yeah. um we recorded me being on your podcast and i'm really excited that we're able to kind of flip this around the other way now and dig into you because it's really interesting when we're the interviewer it's uh, i I've had an interview where I'm the interviewee this morning and I'm the interviewer and the narrative <laughs> the dynamic is, is different because I want to elicit your story and share it with the audience and, and get them tuning in and vibing with you. Um, and and I, there was just so much, so many times during our conversation, they were like, Oh my God, I want to know more about that. Tell me more. But then when you're hosting, it's like, Oh, it's not my time. Or what it, so I want to have the opportunity today to find out more about your story and let the listeners tune in too. Um, I know that you've been working on drip feeding these concepts and ideas into your teenage son. And we've understood stuff about gene keys and, and other archetypes and how that flows in. So why don't we go to the beginning and why you decided to delve into working with the, the, the energetic dynamics and the emotional dynamics of money. I think it was curiosity more mm. than anything because I had come from this background of like linear left brain thinking, helping people with the dollars and cents of how mm. money shows up in their lives. I got really curious because the more time passed, the more I saw that it was it was happening for people. This thing underneath the surface was always happening and yet nobody was talking about it, especially mm. in the financial services industry. Mm. And I mean, we go way back, like my first job after I got my MBA in the early nineties was working as a claim adjuster for state farm insurance. Mm -hmm. And I remember that I would see all these biases and sexism and like really, you know, 
things that I've had to deal with, especially I'm 53 and I was born in 66 and there's been a lot of changes right over, Mm -hmm. over my lifetime. But I remember one of the things I had to do in the job was I had to write people checks. I mean, what a great job. I would go out to their homes. I would see that something was damaged and I would write them a check. And the way people would treat me when they didn't know that I had the checkbook was one way. They'd look at me and a lot of men would talk down to me and like, I don't think I'm going to let you get on my roof. Like you need to go get a man to get on my roof. I mean, crazy things, right? Mm -hmm. So I'd see that. And then the minute they found out, like I pull the checkbook out and I could actually write the check in the session, (laughs) this meeting, the whole entire demeanor would change. And I was like, what just happened? Because I have the money. Now I'm seen as a powerful person. But when I was just a woman with long blonde hair showing up to help you with your house, (laughs) you treated me one way. And so this is like 30 years of watching people and all their biases and all their feelings play out in what they were doing with their money. And I just wanted to dive deeper in. Wow. I mean, there's so much to be said about that because there's um, there's been a an awakening almost towards respect for the feminine dynamic in in leadership. We've got the whole boss babe movement and female empowerment and female entrepreneurs. There's a big wave of that going on. And actually, what's really interesting is that I saw something the other day where. And it wasn't what the video was about. It just kind of dropped in the video because I've been turning into a bit of a YouTube fiend recently. Um, they were saying that this is actually, <laughs> they were trying to demonize this movement of female empowerment and say that it's because, hang on, let me get this right because I don't want to misquote. They were saying that there was a, almost like a Luciferian movement towards like, pagan goddesses and that they're demonizing men in order to turn their backs on the Lord God or something like that. It's like watching these, um, these dynamics around as simple an idea as just because we've got different body parts, I deserve a different level of respect from you. I find really fascinating because there is some man bashing going on, right? Which I don't really agree with, but at the same time, It's my personal belief that the sacred feminine, the nurturing of that matriarchal leadership is where it's where it's at (laughs) because (laughs) the nurturing energy of the feminine is just better able to hold the space I feel for growth, for expansion and for growing And, and that masculine and feminine energies have different roles, but they work together at the same level to execute those roles for the better, for, for the growth and, and better, uh, for the, for, for, for the all. That's my opinion anyway. Wholeheartedly agree there. You know, I've been doing my business for six and a half years and there's been a big evolution. And, and especially I think about two or three years in, there was a lot of this man kind of male bashing and, mm-hmm. you know, bashing kind of, and, and I'm married to someone I've been with since college and, oh, wow. I don't show up that way. Like, I mean, we can play about some of that stuff. Like we'll (laughs) joke about it. Don't get me wrong, but like, it's not a formal stance. Yeah. And what I noticed is I had to teach people 
teach mm. a lot of women that you could still be talking about divine priestess energy and all these beautiful things happening without having to throw guys under the bus. Cause mm. I just wasn't going to tolerate that in my community. And, and I felt like it was shortchanging their message and only mm. causing them to reach a small portion of people. When in reality, they could reach so many more people mm. that were like, I'm married, you know, like I don't want to <laughs> throw him under the bus. <laughs> I love him. Let's just have some equality. <laughs> it's like you don't have to destroy the masculine to have equality. But I love that. So as you're going on this journey, you were finding that this energy around money was showing up in different dynamics and you just found it fascinating. You wanted to explore that more. I did. And then there came a moment in time and I don't really know why, except I should say that I've been teaching mindfulness and meditation and, and meditating on a daily basis since 1999. So that mm -hmm. was the beginning. So it's been a long time mm -hmm. and many years I kept my career completely separate from teaching mindfulness in a spiritual center and mm -hmm. come 2010. So like, you know, 11 years into it, I was I just reached this point where I knew I was going to go crazy if I kept mm. trying to keep them separate. Like I needed to integrate mm. what I was learning on the inside with my relationship with money. And so it caused me to start asking my clients at the time I was a financial advisor. And I would say, mm -hmm. could we meet in a coffee shop? Like my bank, the, the company that I was an advisor for would not have like encouraged this. So I had to do it on the lowdown. Like, can we meet in a coffee shop and talk about your experiences with money? And then when I started those meetings, which I think I did for about six to nine months and everyone started having these huge life-changing breakthroughs. And I didn't even know what I was doing. I was just holding oh. space and asking people about tell me your first memories of money. Tell me what money was like when you were growing up. Tell me about how you feel about money, you know, and these stories, like within minutes, people would just start sobbing, men and women alike. And, mm. and they're like, I've never told anyone this stuff that I'm sharing with you. And that was like a pivotal moment in my life where I knew that I was onto something and I was mm. really, really good at it because I was so comfortable talking about money from all these years of helping people. It was a unique characteristic because mind you, therapists typically have not spent 25 years talking to people about their money. Like it's just a small portion of what they do in learning their art of therapy. Whereas I was coming at, from it from mindfulness perspective, teaching mindfulness, and then all this comfort about, you know, what's going on with somebody's money. So you accidentally stumbled on first-hand experience of seeing the change that expanded the conversation beyond just one aspect of our lives created shifts for people. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, and at first, just like anything like this, I didn't know that I could actually make money doing what I was doing. <laughs> I wasn't coaching. I was making my money as a financial advisor. Yeah. And it took me several years still to figure out that there was a way to structure my mm. experience with people and their experience and then help them start to make the changes that they wanted to make. Mm. Uh, I think it's one thing to just happen upon something. It's a completely other thing to build a business around it. Mm, 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 mm. And of course, the building of the business requires that emotional relationship to be dealt with, the mindset, and also to know what to do, what strategies, because I can mm -hmm. have all the practices in the world and the most loving relationship to money, 
But if I don't know what to do with that relationship, then it's not going to last, right? Most definitely. Mm. Exactly. And even the first few years in my business, I will say to you, I was having folks have huge life-changing breakthroughs that had started back in those early conversations, but I wasn't good at showing people what to do next because I'm a very action-oriented person by Mm -hmm. nature. Mm -hmm. So I was like, well, you have the breakthrough. Now you know what to do. And it wasn't that simple. needed very structured guidelines of how Mm. does this, how do these breakthroughs show up in my business? How do these Mm. breakthroughs show up with my husband or my, in my partner relationship, right? Mm. Or how does this show up in my relationship with my kids? That was Mm. the part that I had to learn. Wow. Wow. So we're having these secret coffee shop rendezvous on a low, <laughs> like secret, secret transformation. Meet me in the realm of secret transformation in the coffee shop. Uh, so we're doing that. And then uh, at some point, I guess it just made sense to you to start doing it more full time. Like where did that transition happen? I wish it was like that. I'm, <laughs> no, I, I'm someone who has had a lot of tragedy and crisis occur. Mm. And I think every time I've made a huge shift, walking away from a multi six figure job with benefits in the United mm. States is not something my husband is self-employed. So it was all on me and mm. I couldn't do it. I couldn't leave, even though I knew I was onto something. And then mm-hmm. in uh, Christmas, right before Christmas, uh, 2013, I was in my doctor's office and I was waiting. He was running a few minutes behind and I looked over to watch a man walk into the doctor's office and say to the lobby of people, you might want to leave now. And he pulled out a very large gun and he ended up going on a shooting rampage in my doctor's office and killing my doctor. Yeah. Wow. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And I didn't die, obviously. But I, my doctor was never running behind. I mean, I just came so close because I looked at my watch and I write about this in my book. And I was like, gosh, he's never late. Like, what's going on? I have some, I have another meeting I need to get to. You know, that was going through my oh, head crap. right and before the, the guy walked being, in. You were being protected. Totally. Because another person was taken back and was being brought. They were in front of me in line when I was checking in. They were being brought back to their appointment and they were shot. And like literally two minutes of being one place instead of another was, you know, this thing that happened. And, and horribly, you know, my, my doctor tried to intervene and was killed and, um, so they were coming for the patient or they were coming for the they doctor? They were coming from a, for a doctor. For oh, There was one female doctor, talk about interesting too, one female doctor in a f- office with nine doctors, all male, one female. Mm-hmm. This man came in, I think something had happened three or four years before, a botched operation, something oh, had happened and he was coming with a vendetta to kill her. And he didn't kill her, but he hurt her very, very badly, shot her. And that's when my doctor got involved and was killed. He lost his life as a hero. Mm -hmm. Most definitely. Yep. 
And even intuitively, I will tell you, because I've always had very, I had a very strange series of things happen even before it all. When I came into the doctor's office, there was a lot of things coming through me. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, most definitely a hero. And, and I felt like even when I found out uh, what happened, I didn't leave the scene for several, I ended up going to the police station afterwards. And Mm -hmm. I just was like, something's not right. Like, I'm not going to leave until I know he's okay. Cause that's all I could think about. Mm. And, um, when I got to the police station, that's when I found out what had happened. Cause I heard his, I saw his nurse and she was hysterical. And, um, it, it literally was this out of body experience that happened while I was trying to get out of the building Mm -hmm. and I froze and I saw my whole life flash before me kind of like an out, like they call it near death experience. Mm -hmm. I was so scared of being killed that for a short moment in time, I saw my fear and my whole life flash before me, like watching myself, what it looked like to be living in fear Mm. And then I, I disassociated with it. And I was like, I'm not my fear. That's not mm. me. The, I'm just seeing this life be played you're pushed out. Into your, you're pushed into the observer, the seat of yeah. the observer. And in a way that I had never been, because it felt like we were being hunted. That was the feeling of what was going on. Cause I couldn't mm. figure out how to get out. And we knew like people were screaming and he had already started to shoot people. And I was still like just one room away. Mm. And, um, and that was it in that moment. I said to myself, if you leave alive, you're going to walk away from your financial advising practice. Like I just knew I was there for something bigger. I kid you like the next day I was still in so much like PTSD shock, but I went and bought the URL for the company for wealth clinic. I bought Mm -hmm. that and I had been looking at it for like a year and I knew Mm -hmm. that I had to pay more. It wasn't like buy it for 20 bucks. Like I had to negotiate quite a bit of money to buy the URL. And I just did it. I was like, I contacted them and I said, we need to do a deal. Like this was my symbolism of like, you're going to do this and you're Mm. not going to talk yourself out of it because I I was really good at that before. (laughs) (laughs) I'm very efficient to self-talk to the dead. Yes. (laughs) So what, what, I mean, I knew there was something because you did say like something had happened, but I was Mm -hmm. like, that's, I didn't expect it to be that. That's, that's a, Mm -hmm. and it's because it, it, that experience of seeing the life flash is similar to what I had on, on February 13th, 2017. It's the same thing. You see the same, like the fit, but I didn't have to witness death and mm-hmm. carnage to do it. Um, do you mind me asking how you were able to navigate the aftermath of that emotionally, that experience? Was it therapy? Was it? I've never gone to therapy. I've always used spiritual practices for healing, Mm. but I had gone to a conference a couple months later and I got the opportunity to meet with, um, Roshi, uh, Zen Roshi. Um, oh my gosh, I'm forgetting her name. Uh, and she, immediately I was trying to tell her what was going on for me and Mm -hmm. I hadn't left my job yet. And she, she started talking about the fact that I was still too oriented to speaking and experiencing from, I guess the parasympathetic system. Like Mm -hmm. I was still in this heightened fight, flight or freeze Mm -hmm. and just her 
immediately within like five seconds of me just saying, Hey, this is the challenge. I'm trying to move through it. It's like, she gave me a download that gave me awareness that that was what I needed to continue to focus on, that I was still really heavily oriented to the shock of reliving it. And so then I started finding other healers. And one of the practices I do now with some of my clients, depending on what they've been exposed to, is being able to slow down the whole entire thing that happened and move through it. There's lots of different things that can happen, but let's just say I needed to forgive myself. I needed to forgive the shooter. I needed to do a lot of different work. There was also ancestral things that were going on for everyone in the collective, Mm. which is you do it in that specific situation, but you start to see very quickly when you, when you emotionally connect into the energy of what was happening, that this is happening at a global level all over Mm. the planet. And I think most of us, when we start doing this sort of healing work or helping people slow things down and become aware of the choices, because I was in a choice of panic and freeze and run away. Mm -hmm. And I had to rewire that in order to move forward and even be able to speak about it like I can now, you know, Mm. rather than being inside of the experience. And this is actually a metaphor for life. What we're doing is we're trapped in the experiences, right? Of the trauma of the past. And we think that we're free. We think that we're conscious, but Hmm. the emotions are so strong that they're still actually playing out. And Hmm. we don't know that we have any choice about it. So Hmm. my, my healing came from being able to go into it and then notice, like, even when I say, forgive myself, when Hmm. we're in those situations, especially if we're like, I can only speak for myself, but it's like, why didn't you stop him? You know, like Mm. there are these things that it's like, like you could have helped, you know? So there's so many microscopic uh, situations of emotional intensity that we have to clear or we're still holding on to it, even if it doesn't logically make sense. Mm. So we're a slave to emotions, not realizing that we have the key, Mm -hmm. right? And we're just locked in this prison of sometimes deep torment and just being blocked from experiencing the joy that's available. But we've got the key all the time. We have the key all the time. I mean, that's what I think the the coaches and the mentors are so good for is this is why it's important that I think we work with people who know what it looks like on the other side, like Mm. people who are still stuck in the paradigm of not understanding what we're getting into here can't help us get out of it. We have to find people who are not inside those paradigms, right? Mm. Someone can't take you somewhere they've never been. Mm -mm. And someone can't describe freedom from a place that they don't even know that they're a slave to himself. It's uh, (laughs) like, (laughs) wow. So we, we had this massively powerful opportunity to witness freedom from the illusion of oneness with the fear narrative, to, to sit in the observer. And then you went out and took action and went for it. Yeah, I went for it. All right. I just, <laughs> my husband's like, honey, that, okay, whatever. Like he couldn't say no yeah. when somebody's gone through something like that, yeah, you know, he to, became supportive of it, mm-hmm. even though it wasn't easy. And the first couple of years of my business, I really didn't know what I was doing. I was sort mm. of all over the map, trying whatever I could do to make it, mm. you know, work and be able to stay in business. Mm. And 
right now I look back at that first couple of years and it was literally just Lisa's personal healing time disguised as, as someone starting a business. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a therapy for you. <laughs> Jump in the deep end with everything on the line and start a business. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. Okay. <laughs> what are some, I want to loop back to the beginning of your journey first and then come back to, to this point. So I'm just going to put a pin in that there. Bing. What are some resources, guides, teachers, books, anything that helped, supported, or led you to go and pick up the right breadcrumbs right at the beginning of your journey back in, nine, in the late 90s when you, you started this work? I'd already had that really steady mindfulness practice mm-hmm. about a year before, actually, was several years, three three years before all this had happened, I had my spiritual studies, I had studied Buddhism for 11 years and around 2010, it kind of blew up. And what I mean by that is, is the constructs of it being all coming from an organization or one guru or this idea that I needed to be taught it and then Mm. live it blew up. And I, I went on a journey, especially between 2010 to 2013, when this happened to look at like all the major world religions and start Mm -hmm. to get downloads from different teachers. And and even Mm -hmm. before that, I didn't believe in God. And so it wasn't until 2010, 11, where I picked Buddhism because I didn't have to deal with the concept of God. I was like, you haven't got God, you'll do, come here. Yeah. (laughs) Instead dreams and like being woken out of a sound sleep, being told Mm -hmm. where to go in the Bible, you know, Mm -hmm. these sorts of things. And so by the time this happened, I was very open to a lot of different teachings, whereas I hadn't been before. And so I really put it out there to the universe to say, I need help. I need people that will show me. And a teacher came in at just the right time. One teacher by the name of Holly Riley, and she's written a book called Allowing. She lived close to me. I started attending her classes and she started really connecting with with me at an unconscious level where at some point she invited me to a retreat she was hosting. And in the course of a week long retreat, I went from not knowing I had any psychic gifts to basically unlocking, you know, you could call it Pandora's box. And it wasn't even the workshop wasn't necessarily for this purpose. I want to be clear, like we were just doing these mundane, deep kind of clearing out all the stuff that isn't you Mm -hmm. so that you could be in presence of the true self. Mm -hmm. And what I found was that person on the other side, very unconsciously was, um, very, very psychic. And, and I'll just give a specific, we had to do an exercise where one-on-one, so we're just meeting with one other person and we had to say these statements like affirmations, if you will. And they were certain affirmations and you had to repeat them. And then the other person would feel into their feeling sense and be like, yeah, I don't know if you really believe that kind of thing. Okay. So challenging challenging the truth of your words, basically. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So being Mm -hmm. an energy. Well, 
most of us are just doing it and we're using our mind probably a lot more than we're supposed to. Well, what started happening in my exchanges and we were doing it all day long with like 30 people and you just, you know, go to one person and the next person and the next person. And about halfway through the day, I was so tired, right? Because you're like, I don't want to listen to somebody say that, nor do I want to say these anymore. And people would be talking to me and I would start giggling unconsciously and it got really annoying. And people are like, could you stop? Like, could you focus on the exercise? And it wasn't until a couple days later that I started to notice that literally I would get these physical responses that had nothing to do with the mind that were telling the person you're bullshitting. (laughs) (laughs) So you were just like trudging into like, is that the realm of truth and being like, yeah, sorry, Bob. It's a no from me. <laughs> and I like to say yes to everything. Like, I'm like, of course you're doing it right. I love you. Like, I'm the ridiculously pleasing personality. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't, my mind would have been like, yes, you did it. Oh and instead I'm giggling so and messing it up. <laughs> and so people were like, I'm doing this right. Stop laughing. And I'm like, I'm trying. (laughs) So that's when it was, it was just life changing because it never went back. Mm. Wow. So you were, you opened up to the truth of who you were and that gave you access to the truth of what's happening around you. And and you just couldn't sit in the the falsehood anymore. No, nothing. Mm Mm-mm. Beautiful and yet a curse at the same time, I'm sure. (laughs) It is not pleasant sometimes because you, if you, if you were, now that you know this secret about me and I watch this sometimes, if, if something's not working very well, like, and Mm. you watch my body language, if I'm interviewing Mm. somebody or even, yeah, I'm not really good at hiding it. It comes (laughs) out in other ways. Like I look like somebody, like a little kid, where's like this kinesthetic energy. I'm like, what am I doing it? Cause it's coming out, but I'm trying to be nice to the person. Yeah. Cause not everybody wants it. Not everybody is necessarily ready for it. And, and there's mm. also appropriate times, you know, there's yeah. still this mind that's mm-hmm. working. Mm. But then we could say that there's, um, and this is a concept I've been playing with as well, having boundaries, but still being, having boundaries around the reality, but still holding the truth. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like, all right, so this person's full of it. I mean, I just hosted a, held a retreat here in Cabo this weekend. Um, I had to cancel a lot of them this year because of COVID, but we've, we've done it. We did one last month, well, September, done one now. And uh, I kind of get it because when, when we're, when we're in a, you know, we've got a group, I, I, this one was a bit bigger and we're probably going to go up to 10 people. No, we've got six people. But people, when people have got their stories and they're really addicted to them, it's like, okay, I really can't sit and watch this, but let me be mindful of the fact that me not wanting to watch it isn't necessarily going to be supportive of you. And so that dynamic of having a responsibility to them, but also to them at the same time, it's the same like with group calls. Like sometimes you have group calls and someone comes in and they, they don't want to be coach they just want they got a room of 30 40 people that they can set tell their sub story to and get held space for them so it's finding that fine line of like calling someone out but in a way that doesn't sort of have them retreat 
in, but kind of calls them out into the light, if that makes sense. I had something like this happen in Hawaii several years ago. I was hosting a retreat and people had come from all over the country and we were just there for the weekend and we sat down. And from the minute this one guy walked into the room, I was like, he doesn't want to be here. <laughs> his, his wife was with him. So I was like, you know, oh, there was okay. a dynamic, right? Yeah. And, and I, we were doing the introductions and he was in a ball kind of, you know, on the couch with his legs up and just in this ball. And I was like, could we, uh, you come all this way. Could, it's okay if we do a little like play together for a second. He's like, what are you doing? And so I was like, let's just tap. And I looked him in the eyes and I was like, just follow me, follow along. And um, because, and this was definitely a de divine guidance. Cause I didn't know what to do. I was like, in, you know, my small self is, is inside going, he's going to screw up the whole entire um, retreat. Um, right. Um, like, I mean, mm -hmm. there was that part of me, I want to be honest. Mm -hmm. And, and then the, the higher self was like, there's a way just follow my direction. So I'm listening to these voices <laughs> coming in and I looked at him and I said, and I started tapping and, and, and I, I said, I don't want to, and then I swore be here. Mm -hmm. And he looked at me and he was like, and he just ran for it. He was like, I don't want to be here. And, just like, <laughs> and we did the routine. And by the time we were, you know, like five minutes, it didn't take very long, but it was like, I actually am okay being here. You know, mm -hmm. let's see what happens. But you know, retreat is a little different sometimes mm. than if we're on a podcast and we've never met this person and that's mm. not why we're here. You know, like mm -hmm. you want to kick into that, <laughs> but is that really appropriate? They're not here to get coaching from you. But, but you know what I mean? Like, I mean, mm. in my dream world, every situation, I, I'm able to see every situation as some kind of beautiful opportunity. Mm. You know what I, I mean? Does that, would that be fun? I, I, but it's like, um, one of the things I've overcome within myself is this hero complex that, oh my God, there is a challenge. Yes. Sometimes people just want to be seen and heard that it would be helped. Yes. But I want to fix you. I see the thing. <laughs> Let's work on it. No. That's been, that, that's been, I found that's been part of my growth though. Mm -hmm. Recognizing when there's a time to, to, to speak and a time just to be and allow someone just to be seen and heard. You know, I have this at home with Olga a lot because like we'll get into something and it's like okay i go into the like, can you take off the coat here i just <laughs> want to talk to you oh shit yeah <laughs> okay i'm just gonna okay i'm here <laughs> but it's um i think it's a blessing and a curse again to be able to see these things because then the work becomes what do we do with what we see mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. is it i must fix or is it okay it's here and be open because the small self thinks the true self knows i think it is it's like with that situation with that gentleman from the small self it was oh my god it's gonna ruin it but the truth is just groove we've got this and having that relationship to the different levels of ourself can resource us to know when it's time to speak, when it's time to hold back, when this person is just going on their journey and you're just getting the opportunity to witness where you have been or where you could be and to celebrate where you are and so on and so forth. So yeah, and it, it's super annoying. I mean, having been in this world for over 20 years, 
it's really annoying when you hang out with folks who do what we do and they're just trying to fix you. Like, like there's just no connection happening. Like, you know what I mean? You know that there's like this agenda, like I can help you with that and let me help you. And it's totally off-putting in all, in all fairness, because we know that it's actually not about us. It's about mm. the person who's wanting to give the help. Mm. And and we don't we don't need to be in that situation. But something I wrote the other day that feels appropriate here is this big realization, like even if we just think of the guru and the projection that people do onto the guru, what mm -hmm. I have come to see is the only thing that's happening is someone is taking the love inside of them, their own selves and projecting it out onto another person mm. and when we're really comfortable with our own awareness of love, unconditional love, then we realize that the only job that we have at the end of the day is to hold space in love so that maybe magically other people, when they're in our presence, can be feeling what we're projecting out because that's what we are. And it reminds them to be that that they are and that mm. it has nothing to do with me giving that to someone else or them giving it to me. We're just showing up to remind each other of our own inherent unconditional love. Mm. Just mirrors to each other. Mm -hmm. <sighs> it's just crazy how all of this, you were on the journey but like you said, you were great at talking yourself out of stuff. And then you came to this point where it's like, okay, I've been doing the trial runs. I've been doing the warm-ups. It's, it's, it's game time. And I think it's inspiring that you own that there was fear. You own that there was like resistance. You own that it wasn't a glorious first couple of years. But again, all of that just better resources you to support those who want help <laughs> to navigate them that themselves and to develop that relationship to themselves, to what they desire and to this thing we call money that's a medium just to create the choice to experience that and to do so in an expansive way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm. So tell me, what bit of your work do you love the most? I know we've been going on a while, but I do want to know. <laughs> I still want to know a little bit more. What part of your work do you enjoy the most? Is it the book writing? Is it the podcasting? Is it the retreats? Is it the coaching? I love it all. And there is a sweet spot for the connection that comes through group, you know, call it collective transformation. I think that's the piece when we're in a community of people who really we've stripped away all the stuff that we aren't and we're willing to be vulnerable and learning and have a beginner's mind, especially as it pertains to what I focus on, which is like money and business, hmm. like that moment of connection where all these minds are meeting and processing and, and holding space for this, this loving experience like yeah i think i was put in this that's that's the reward <laughs> for all the struggle this is yeah so the juiciness is have you got anything coming up in terms of that i know it's been a bit weird with 2020 like i was saying like a lot of stuff's been cancelled but have you got anything coming up that maybe the listeners might want to check out 
Yeah, two things. Right now, I'm very focused on bringing a business coaching program um, to more and more people. So I started last summer. I listened to COVID. COVID was like, hey, there's a lot of people who have been somewhat successful in business. You know, they're enough to get by, but they're not making enough money so that when something like COVID happens, they don't stress out, right? Or they, their business feels a bit more precarious than they'd like it to be. And so I love, just like we talked about earlier, I love how we can help people on their journey to finding their self-value, their confidence, their um their understanding of how to, you know, charge appropriately and to build their business, you know, with a strong foundation. Mm -hmm. But all the while, the reason that's happening is because there's all this self-realization going on. So I enjoy the intersection between the spiritual, which I will say is in the upper chakras, combined with these very practical, you know, more masculine sort of, now what are you going to, how are you going to make money from that? (laughs) And how are you going to help people? And how are you going to make sure that you're charging appropriately? Like, I like that combination of of Mm. those aspects bringing you know heaven i love the saying you know being in the world but not of it like yeah yeah how do we do that in our business and with our money so the masculine's the hell and feminine's the heaven (laughs) (laughs) not completely but (laughs) i'm joking i'm joking joking. um what's one thing that you'd love to leave listeners with in terms of uh something that you found to be supportive for you or the people that you work with that they can carry into their lives to start working on bringing that energy into their into their business and their money the thought i'd love to leave folks with is that you are not your money or your past with money Because a lot of us get wrapped up in our mistakes and our failures and our regrets. And then we have an uncanny way of projecting that into the future. So when you give yourself the permission to say, time out, I'm not my money. I'm not my past with money. I am a person showing up today with a beginner's mindset. That's the best that everyone can actually be approaching life with. And that there is unlimited possibility for the future, no matter what. I love that. I love that. I love that. Um, We're going to get some some links in the show notes, but what's, uh, for those listening, uh, what's the best place for them to come and hang out with you in the old Tinterweb? Beautiful. So if you go to wealthclinic.com slash forward slash gift, this would be a great chance for you to come in, try a meditation that I've had thousands of people get great benefit from. It takes you through this chakra and money process meditation mm-hmm. and you get to see the first chapter of my book. So you can get an idea if this is something that's really calling to you, you know, and follow up to this conversation and just welcome to my world and check it out. Beautiful, beautiful. Looking forward to doing that. Um, I actually had it on my thing. I signed up this weekend to try out your meditation myself. So I'll be giving it a whoosh and a whoop myself. So thank you so much. It's been a joy. Um, Yeah, it's been great to learn more about you and the journey and the gifts that you've got to share with us from your journey and what you've learned and experienced. So listeners, we're going to head to wealthclinic.com forward slash gift and get some yummy goodness. And you're going to 
maybe see if anyone's called to hear this too and give it a share let them tune in if you're not a subscriber it would be lovely if you were be better if you did remember that you can consciously choose a more abundant joyful purpose-driven life your past with money doesn't have to be your future with money uh we've been here hanging out talking about being a mindful millionaire if i got it right yes yes mindful millionaire um and we'll catch you next time on do it with dan until then bye for now Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of the Beyond Success Podcast. We hope that it has been of service to you. For more information and to stay up to date with the latest from Daniel Mangena, please head over to dreamwithdan.com. We'll see you for the next one.